This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. This program is produced by podcastandradio.com Small Biz Small Biz America The Brain Our guest on this segment is the managing partner of the Catalyst Consulting Group, LLC. They are an advisory firm that helps companies grow, improve their performance, and address their HR organizational issues. Ronald Ricardo has more than 30 years of experience as both a corporate executive, working with over 140 global clients in manufacturing, high-tech, financial services, life sciences, healthcare, and service industries. He's also the author of more than 60 articles and eight books and is an in-demand keynote speaker. Ronald is quoted and interviewed by many familiar and prestigious publications, including the Associated Press, Harvard Business Review, Industry Week, U.S. News and World Report, MSNBC and CBS News, and appears regularly on TV and radio shows like The Big Biz Show and Business Talk with Jim Campbell. Joining us on the line from his offices in Shelton, Connecticut, is Ronald Ricardo. Ronald, welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Glad to be here. Great to have you. So our listeners are broadly business executives, small business entrepreneurships, and I know you run a business advisory firm called Catalyst Consulting Group. When you formed Catalyst Consulting, how did you want to show up different in the market? How is Catalyst different from some of the other consulting firms out there? That's a great question. Uh, I think we're different um, in three three ways. Um, my undergraduate degree is in biochemistry. And biochemistry, a catalyst, makes a chemical reaction happen faster. So our claim to fame is time-based competition. And what I mean by that is how quickly can we get change to happen in an organization? So if we're company A and we are competing with company B, it's not uncommon. We're having the same kinds of conversations and often having the same kinds of initiatives or strategies. If I can implement faster, I can realize the benefits faster, and it's unlikely for you to ever catch me. So time. The second way we differentiate is our service delivery model. I come out of the big five. People like you and I would be partners, but most of the people, truth be told, that do the work are kids two years removed from their MBA. Mm. So they're kind of learning on your dime. And then the third area is when all of the stars line up, we do value pricing. And that basically means we take an at-risk position. So we may discount rates in, 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 in lieu of a block of stock or in lieu of a percentage of cost savings or revenue that we create. It's interesting that the time element is so critically important. Are there ever exceptions where, understanding that's where you show up, 
uh, differently. But are there exceptions where time is not primary and there may be other deliverables or attributes or uh, value elements that are more important than doing it fast? Yes. Great. Another great question. Yeah. There are times when uh, I'll give you an example where there could be some political issues. There could be some geopolitical issues that are happening where it's not about time. It's really about getting things done in the right sequence, getting certain stakeholder groups engaged and on board. So there are, you know, probably 30, 40 percent of the time, the, the real issue is not time. It's something else. Hmm. So great point. But the fact that you can do it quickly certainly has with it some economies, given that time is the real leveler, not only in business, but in life, right? It is. And, you know, our people really have two pedigrees. They've either been former uh, executives, either entrepreneurs or executives of major companies, yeah. or have been partners in, in the big five. So you're dealing with a bunch of people. It's kind of like the New York Yankees, if I use an analogy. You know, you kind of have an all-star at every position. And the nice thing about using the baseball analogy is you turn the card over and, you know, if somebody's typically been a 300 hitter and they've been in the league for 10 years, yeah, you're pretty much going to get about 300 and 100 RBIs. Yeah, yeah. Whereas when you get junior people, you know, sometimes junior people make junior mistakes. Right. And junior mistakes can be costly. Absolutely. In the course of your consultancy, give us a sense of the scope or range of industries that you see. Uh, does it run the gamut or are there specific areas where you feel like you're more concentrated in terms of your clientele? We historically, we were founded in 1993. So historically, most of our revenues have come from various flavors of manufacturing, everything from high-tech manufacturing to discrete manufacturing. We've done a lot of work in life sciences, you know, companies like uh, Pfizer, Beckton Dickinson, Shire. Uh, so those are the two largest components. We've also done work in utilities, business services, financial services, insurance, and from there, I wanted to ask, from your experience, and this can be more recently or historically, what are some of those challenges facing the businesses that you see today? Let me chunk it out into three areas, uh, three different types of businesses. Let's do startups, emerging uh, slash growth companies, and then large cap companies. Startups, I have found, you know, most of the ones I've been associated with, they're kind of bootstrapped. So you have somebody who has an idea, a technology, a new twist on something, and typically the major issue for them is managing cash flow or having some prudent financial controls like AR or AP. Often as they start to grow and scale, the issues about raising capital in a timely fashion with the right terms and conditions, that becomes critical. And then the last thing about startups that's really a challenge is ensuring stable execution. You know, when you're starting up, you don't have consistent processes in place. Sometimes you can't consistently deliver your core product or service. And if it's all over the place, the risk you run is customer retention. Uh, if you look at it from an emerging slash uh, uh, high growth company, they have overlapping but different challenges. One is, you know, think about it. How do you go from having a highly entrepreneurial organization to starting to put in various components of process, structure, governance, too much just chokes everything, right? Yeah. And then too little, right? It bites you the other side, right? The other key, I think, with emerging companies is, you know, managing the needs of the business, uh, specifically, you know, balancing investment and things like infrastructure while you're managing capacity and delivery. Yeah. And a big one I'm sure you've seen in this show is, you know, 
the bandwidth of the founder, I mean, think about it. How many people have you talked to where they were smart enough to see an unmet market need, they started to grow a company, but suddenly it, it they couldn't grow it beyond a certain level because they didn't have the professional leadership skills. Yep. On the large cap, I see a couple of major things that I, I typically are big challenges. One is talent management. And I'm going to take a, a kind of a, uh, a different ta- take on this. You know, in the last 10 years or so, I've seen a significant dubbing down of senior executives. And I personally attribute this to the talent management and the succession uh, planning processes that they have in place. And what I've seen is, I don't know if this is a desired outcome or just uh, an attribute that comes out the rear end, but you look at the mastheads of these major companies and they all look the same. They're all either Ivy League, they're all XGE or PE, you know, they all, you know, they've grown through personal relationships as opposed to impact or results. So the issue of, of not having empty suits and having really talented people at the top. And then the second major challenge is consequences. And what do I mean by that? You know, you think of the average company and you say, do you pay for performance? And they invariably shake their head. But let me give you an example. You know, three people making $100,000 each. If you walk on water, you get a 4% raise. If you're an average performer, you get a 3% raise. And if you're a below average performer, we don't want to deal with you. We don't want to you know, manage you out of the company. You get a 2% raise. Mm-hmm. $1,000 difference. Is that really going to make the best and the brightest stay? Is that really going to motivate people to perform at the highest level? So really, you are dealing quite literally in the company internal culture, not only the onboarding, the retention culture, the uh, I'm sure there's a mentorship piece to a lot of this that you see and help stimulate and bolster. Do I have that right? Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, we recently sponsored a a research study Mm -hmm. and we interviewed about 500 people who were rated outstanding. And these people were at a very high level. They had to be a VP level and above. Yeah. And we wanted to really understand, you know, what separates the people who walk on water from those who are underwater? Uh. And a couple of surprises that we had. One was the people that are the highest performers, they understand the performance drivers of their company. I don't want to hit you with consulting terms, but every company has a bunch of outcomes. We want to increase market share. We want to increase our revenues. We want to increase profitability. But many companies, believe it or not, even at a senior level, they don't understand cause and effect. So, you know, what is the number one variable that drives revenue? So for, and if you look at it, you can study it through historical performance. So an example might be, let's say we're the CEO of a pharmaceutical company. If you study historical performance, you may see that, you know, the number of calls your sales reps make, that is the number one driver of revenue. And if you look historically, X number of calls to physicians results in a certain number of meetings. There's a close rate. There's an average revenue per sale. You bubble that up across all the salespeople. That's your top line number. Wow. So if you think about it, so if you really understand your performance drivers, if you're the CEO and you're behind on revenue, all you have to do is put a charge in your sales force and say, look, I want you each to make X number of calls and you can manage your performance for that outcome variable. I love it. It's really math at that level. It's 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 uh, metrics 
And yeah, you can turn on a switch in a certain area if you understand which switch to turn on. I love that correlation. It's so direct, so simple, and uh, it works. You've seen it work. Absolutely. You know, as we uh, continue here, you've written a lot of books, uh, Ronald Ricardo. By the way, I should remind our listeners, we are visiting with Ronald Ricardo. He is the CEO of Catalyst Consulting Group, the website www.catalystconsultinggroup.org. CatalystConsultingGroup.org, just like it sounds. Eight books. So you've done a lot of writing over the years. The area of change seems to rise to the top just because it's a constant, I think, in so many businesses, small, large, mid-sized. Tell us about some of the takeaways that you think leaders, entrepreneurs who on the horizon have a change coming ahead of them can take away from uh, the writing you've done or just the experience you've had. Sure. You know, if you're in a startup company, a smaller company, or even a bigger company, often, you know, depending on where you sit, do you have an eagle's view of the organization in the world, or do you have a worm's view, you're more of a worker bee. It, it's so, so many times senior people don't realize everyone else doesn't understand that there's some dark clouds on the horizon. So one of the biggest mistakes in change is not making it absolutely clear why are we doing this? People don't resist change. They resist change, I have found, when they don't understand the rationale for it. Uh, That's one of the big, biggest reasons. And part of it's communications. You know, you're the CEO. You look at the financials. It's obvious to you we have a problem. But if you're a customer service person, how would you know? So that's a critical one. Another one is really being decisive. And it kind of gets back to our earlier discussion about, you know, what are the attributes of the best leaders? You know, Decisiveness is, I have to say it a, 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 a politically correct way, good leadership really doesn't equal being liked. I'm not suggesting that you have to be Simon Legree, but a good leader knows when to make decisions unilaterally, is not overly consensus driven, and will make a tough decision even if it makes people uneasy or uh, sometimes angry. Yeah. And if you're trying to get change to happen, Sometimes you've got to put on that black hat and make a tough decision. As you think about the decision-making process, and I have a story in my past that uh, I won't share now, but one of the things that this particular um, uh, partner of mine pointed to was, he said, make sweeping decisions very quickly, decisively. Don't drip in, don't linger, don't fade in and out. Really make them, make a moment out of that decision and make it sweeping. Do you concur? I agree with you, especially if there is... I'll call it a lot of blood on the floor. You know, yeah. I think too many leaders opt or default to a consensus model. Yeah. Overly, right? You know, I, I, I was in a meeting last week with a CEO and his direct reports for a billion-dollar company, and I almost fell over. When they made a decision, they raised their hands and they voted. Huh. That's scary. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. That's a big insight, and I think that's a really, really powerful takeaway from this session today. Ronald Ricardo, the company CatalystConsultingGroup.org. Is there anything, an idea or a thought that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Yeah, I think a lot of companies, a lot of leaders are, are struggling or challenged with the concept of growth. And let me suggest three things that I've learned. I'll call them best practices that I'll just pass on. There's a big difference between financial forecasting and strategic planning. So let me try to define those terms. Financial forecasting to me is typically done by a, a numbers cruncher of a CFO if the company's large enough. It's often a series of assumptions. We made a million dollars last year. 
based on these assumptions. Here's what we're going to make quarter to quarter. Here's what we're going to make year to year. And it's typically not connected to environment, market, competitors, et cetera. That's different than strategic planning. And, and if you really want to grow your business, you really want to have some type of a formalized planning process where you're looking at both internal and external, but you're looking at things like competitors, customers, market segments, et cetera, and that using that to inform your decision about how to grow and where to grow. The second thing is don't compete based on price. You know, so if think about it, David, if you and I are competing on price, all we're doing is lowering our top our top line number and ultimately lowering our profitability. Nobody wins. Mm -hmm. You want to look for unmet needs in the market. You know, prime example, Apple. You know, they thought about, wow, maybe we can catalog data and charge for that content. And it's now called iTunes. Yep. Apple Pay, right? Isn't that, that was pretty unique thinking, right? You know, looking for unmet market needs is much more appropriate for growth than trying to compete on price. And then the last thing really is, is focus on market segments. Generally speaking, if you're going to play and you're going to play in a generally accepted space, typically your highest success rate will be to go for markets that have the highest growth rate, the highest profitability with the largest market size. Now, unless you're going to go for a market segmentation play, typically that's your safest play uh, if you're just going to do a general growth strategy. It would seem that a lot of these, well, certainly the last of these, the not competing on price speaks to companies no matter what size you are. And I love these takeaways for the solopreneur, the entrepreneurial you know, look for those opportunities, look for areas you can leverage that, that are tangential and within the scope of what you already know how to do, right? Well said. So good. Catalystconsultinggroup.org. Our guest has been Ronald Ricardo, a consultant, author of eight different books. By the way, all your books are available on Amazon and everywhere else, right, Ronald? Correct. Excellent. Look for him. Ricardo, R-E-C-A-R-D-O. Thank you so much for joining us on the program. Thank you so much. Small Biz. Small Biz America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.